Welcome to The Thinker Podcast with Dr. Owen Anderson. This is where we talk about how philosophy is for everyone. Part of doing that is looking at popular topics, popular culture. So we want to learn to apply philosophy to understanding what's going on in the world. Now, last time we were going over the existential application of philosophy and how it comes down to our understanding of good and evil. And we were thinking about some problems that might come up in addictions where people say they can't stop doing something. And we were showing how this this still includes the idea of understanding and what it reveals about our understanding. Now, continuing in the idea of existential application, I've been thinking about and getting some questions on conspiracies. And I'm going to have my, uh, just a minute, hey, James, come here. I'm going to have James come in here and, and help us out with this because he said we received a few emails on this. Yeah, yeah, got, got him up right here. All right. So conspiracy theories are, uh, I guess these are popular now out there. Well, it depends on who you ask. The people who believe them don't think they're conspiracies. That's part of the problem. I, uh, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, the word conspiracy is a loaded term, in other words. So I, I want to be careful here. Before you call something a conspiracy, or I should say when you call something a conspiracy, it could be dismissive. Like, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory. Right. And, and so the persons who hold to it might take offense and say, that's, no, it's not. This is the truth. The people who are in power are trying to get you to believe it's a conspiracy so you won't listen to it. Right. And that's part of the fake news surrounding it. So uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't really think we were able to adjudicate that here. But what we could do is begin to ask, well, how, how would we apply critical thinking to the broad category of conspiracy? I'm just using that as a category now, not as a, a pejorative dismissive term. But this way, uh, it's conspiracy in the sense that people are conspiring. There's a conflict. Can we say that much, that if there's a conspiracy, there's a conflict? Hmm. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I mean, people don't agree. And so group A is conspiring against group B. Let's just say there's only two sides right now. You know, there might be multiple sides in real life, but let's say there's two sides, A and B, and they're conspiring against each other. Well, that happens all the time. You wouldn't have to prove something special to show that. That seems, when you study history, that's one of the main things you study is those kinds of conflicts, right? Right. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, people do that with each other. In, in fact, I wonder if we could break down conflicts. What we're talking right now, probably, we're probably thinking about people groups. And this people group conspires against that people group. But then within either one of those groups, you can probably find conspiracies. So within A, there's, there's number one and number two, right? <laughs> and they, they're conspiring against each other to have power over A. Yeah. And within number one or number two, you might find further conspiracies of who could have power over those. Yeah. Uh, I guess in our system, we have that, right? We have the United States and we have two parties, Republicans and Democrats. You kind of have conspiracy theories on both sides, right? Yeah, right. They're, they compete against each other. Right-wing ones, left-wing ones. Yeah. yeah. And then within either one of those parties, you have smaller groups trying to be in control. Like you might have the, the Bernie side and the Biden side of the Democrats. Right. And the Trump side and the never-Trumper side of the Republicans. Yep. And so they're conspiring. And then with each of those groups, you could probably have smaller conspiracies within those smaller groups. So you have, you have conspiracies between groups, conspiracies within groups. How about at the individual level, like between individuals? Do you think there's conflicts? Well, yeah, of course. 
don't know if there's conspiracies, but I hope not. Yeah, let's think about it. Uh, let's say you're at work and it looks like you're going to get a promotion, but the guy in the cubicle next to you wanted that promotion. And so he starts a rumor at work that you take an extra 10 minutes for your lunch break. And that gets back around to the boss and you don't get the promotion. You have really good examples. You, like for everything. you, have, you always <laughs> come up with the best examples. Those, 10 minute, <laughs> those extra 10 minutes cost you the promotion and he gets the promotion. He conspired against you. Yeah. So that happens between people, right? Yeah, I guess. Um, I always thought that it'd be, he'd have to tell two or three people, right? So well, he might, yeah. He's, he yeah. sends like a group email. Hey, uh, hey let's, let's all work against him. It's 110 and I don't see uh, James mm. back yet. Well, where's he at? Oh, he likes to say that extra 10 minutes, doesn't he? So yeah, they try to, try to, he undermines you and he gets other people to agree with him. So that happens. People, are, people have conflicts. And how, how about this? How about um, within a person? This is where I might get kind of, or my thing is creepy. Could you conspire against yourself? Does that sound weird? Yeah, well, I'm thinking about episode one and what knowledge is, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, pre, yeah. Yeah, well, weakness of the will. This right, is kind right. of a continuation, yeah. weakness of the will. So uh, think about it within, a, within, over time, let's say you have one part of your life where you destroy your liver and the next part of your life where you really want your liver. Well, as, it, as pieces of time of your life, you've conspired against yourself, right? Yeah. Which one is it? Do you want your liver or you don't want your liver? And whatever you're doing now, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so you conspired against yourself or you, let's say a lot of people, maybe not a lot of people say, say someone, instead of going to college, they take eight years off to party. Okay. And then they get into their late twenties, early thirties. And they, man, I really wish I had my college degree. Better so than eight years partying while you're in college, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that younger self conspired against the older self. Hmm. Conspiring, I think is the wrong word. So the divided, you're divided against yourself. Yeah. So that's over the time of your life. But what about at any moment? Could, could yourself be divided at one moment about what is good? And you're just not sure. Yeah, I think so. Is, is personal pleasure and avoiding suffering the good? Or is doing my duty the good? Or neither one of them is the good? Hmm. And I don't know. And so I pick avoiding suffering and pleasure as the good. So I'm, I'm divided. So, so behind the conspiracy talk is talk about is reality of conflict. And that raises the question, well, which is correct? Which side is right in this conflict? Is it just whoever wins is right? The, the victor is right, the history? Isn't it also a way to understand like power between people and groups? Like a lot of times we wouldn't understand why someone would be in a position of power. The only way they could be is if, Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Remind me of that one. We'll come back to that one. Uh, explaining power. That's one thing that people point out about conspiracies. Is that people who are out of power explain the other group as having gotten power by conspiring. Right. Not They didn't get it legitimately. Because if you say they got it legitimately, then you, you have to grant it in some sense they're, they have power now. So explaining uh, how they get power. Well, they did something wrong to get power. And they didn't get power legitimately. And so, yeah, that's a common feature. And also... When, you, when, that, when that group doesn't feel that they have access to the road to power. In other words, my enemy's got power and it's not a way to get power that I could do. Right. So I have no access to power. And then they begin to formulate stories about how there's a conspiracy that keeps me out of power and makes these other people get into power. Hmm. I mean, the other option is maybe your opponents are really good orators and they convince people to vote for them. Yeah. 
or if it's not a voting situation, they're really good at their job and they get outcomes that people want. And so people put them into that job. Yeah. But then you have to admit that you're not as good of an orator. Right. And you weren't able to convince people. And that's not as fun. It it makes it even more confusing when there's, you know, doubts about those things. Right. And you're not sure how to interpret it. You know, like Democrats did that four years ago. Republicans are kind of doing that now with the election Mm -hmm. too. Yeah. And there's, um, that's interesting. Well, we've got into that now. Yeah. We've got into, uh, a phase where each time there's a winner and a loser, the loser says of the winner, they cheated. They cheated. Right. Uh, and you can imagine how that would, yeah, that, then if it's true, it's a problem. But it's also true, it's also a problem if it's not true. Even if it's not true that they cheated, the it's a problem right? that, well, yeah, I don't mean a deception like they're purposely saying. No, I meant perception. Perception, right, yeah. yeah it's, a it's a perception, perception problem. Where we no longer... Trust about the election. Yeah, we don't yeah. trust about that, and we, we can't, uh, we don't want to be ruled by that anymore. So... So that gets into some specifics about the American system, but I'm still thinking about conflicts more broadly that requires that we can identify good and evil. And if we can't even do that, then all we've done is is identified two groups, and those two groups are fighting, but we can't say one is good and one isn't. And maybe maybe good and evil is too strong a word because someone would say, I don't want to say someone's evil. Well, good and less good. Because there's situations like that, right, where you have you have two bad options, you got to pick the least bad, or two good options, but one is more better, more right. better. <laughs> uh, but let's just use this, this reality: there is good, and there is not good, which is what we call evil. What is it? What's good? How about this? Is a lot of times is. What is good is the group that promises you less suffering. Like if you have a a political party of some kind or a ruler who wants to be in charge and they need to convince people to put them in charge, then the argument usually boils down down to, uh, if you vote for me, your wildest dreams will come true. Right. Remember that one? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so some version of that. If you vote for me, I'll do the following, which will make your life less, have less suffering. Right. What if you did this? What if you said, if you vote for me, I'll help you find uh, meaning in suffering? And let's go back to the other guy, right? The, the less suffering guy. <laughs> that one sounded better. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard campaign promise, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, if you vote for me, we'll find meaning in suffering. All right, so here's what I think it boils down to. Two options, good and evil. Either the one who created us determines what is good for us, or we determine what is good for us ourselves. Those both can't be true. I I suppose there's a third option, which is there's some third person, not myself and not our creator, who determines good and evil. But that falls under either the creator or not the creator determines the good for us. Why would you bring up that distinction? Like, Because we're on the problem of suffering and that my goal in life is to avoid suffering. It does seem like that's... To a, make that's, myself happy. It does seem like that's kind of the goal for most people. Yeah. I want to make myself happy. And suffering is often brought into my life outside of my control. So I'm, by implication, claiming that whoever's in charge isn't doing a good job. And I need to take the reins. The world is mismanaged. 
if God was on top of things, if God was really ruling and good, then my life wouldn't have this much suffering in it. So it's really, really a statement. It all turns out to be a statement about God. And so then we might have various versions in the nations of that, of how to try to build a city that will minimize your suffering. It's called the city of man sometimes. Or minimize the suffering of some. That, that, that convince, convince others to help this ruling group have a life of less suffering. Seems like you kind of have summarized like human history, political struggles, yeah, different nation states that have kind of arisen saying that that's been their motivation. Yeah. Well, think about it this way. A lot of times when you I hear, think you're right. That's well, what I'm saying. Like that's a that's yeah. a pretty good summary. Well, here's what I've added, which I don't hear very often. Because people will say, yeah, the, the human history mm. is group against group, especially elites trying to use the people. Right. Uh, and I'm adding in a little bit something a little bit different, which is in the avoidance of suffering to make myself happy, in contrast to God is the one in charge. So these groups may often believe in gods, be polytheistic, but they think you can enter into agreements with the gods to get them to do what you want them to do to make your life have less suffering. Yeah. So conspiracies begin with a claim, a belief about who God is. Interesting. Now, what if... I, I didn't think about it that way. Uh, it, it, it seems like people could people could, can send you in questions we can deal with, but it seems like that's the steps that come from there's a conflict about what is good, and ultimately there's not a lot of choices. Either God determines what is good or someone else does, myself or a ruler I appoint. And, and we still don't even know what is good yet. What is it that, what is it that's good for a human? So a conspiracy, what, what would make, a lot of times the conspiracy stories I hear about are about specific historical events. Who really made them happen, right? Like, like uh, something happened in history, it was a big event, everyone knows about it, and you think so-and-so caused it, but really it was this other nefarious and secretive group that caused it and made it seem like this other person caused it, right? So, so that's usually when people get into conspiracy theories, right? Yeah. And so then it raises the question, well, well, how would you know? This really becomes an epistemology problem. Yeah, like how could you really ever verify it? Yeah, yeah. Or, so, or believe the facts on either side. Yeah, so it might, it might make you do a couple things. It might make you say, I guess I don't know if the official story is true, so I just don't know. Or it might make you say, yeah, maybe the official story isn't true. I'm going to believe this other one. Or it might make you say, no, I like the official story. I'm going to stick with that. So sort of three options, right? And I think they're, they're kind of divided between you're either a skeptic, yeah, I guess I don't know, or you become a fideist, but I'm going to still believe this one. So it becomes an epistemological problem, and people can spend a lot of time on this stuff. I don't know if you've noticed that, but people can really, this could become like, like some people go into sports and they spend a ton of time on sports statistics. There's people who love uh, living, oh, and also in Stanley, there's people who do fantasy stuff, if you notice that. Yeah, they spend their time like memorizing some fantasy story, but then there's others who who do that with political stories. Yeah, like, you're right. Political fiction becomes reality for them. Yeah, and where uh, uh, Clancy, a Tom Clancy novel ends, and where reality begins for this group is like where Gandalf ends and reality begins for the other group. Yeah, 
And there's and there's people that probably believe in the more official stuff that knows all those stories too. Right. So it's interesting to think about it from skepticism to fideism. Yeah. Either side, right? Yeah, what do we really know? Well, if we're entering into that problem, what do we really know? And we don't yet even know what is good. Uh, I don't think we'll make much headway. Do you think if you know what is good, it could help you better understand which of those are true? You'd be less taken in, I suspect, by them. You'd be able to see your limits and say, you know, I just don't know what the answer is. But behind those stories about specific historical events, I do know that there's a conflict between good and evil in history. And I know what both of those sides are. So that if you hear stories that maybe align with that, you might be more inclined to believe them. Yeah. Without going so far as to say, I know for sure this is true. And you can moderate your time. You can say, since I don't know it's true, I'm not going to donate a lot of time to that. I'm going to donate to things I do know. Sure. But, but here's, you, you got to, you raised this question, and it's a good one. Um, when do people, when are they susceptible to conspiracies? And, and you can sort of notice similarities, which is, is when they're out of power and when they don't feel they have access to power, so they begin to make conspiracy stories about how their enemies got into power. Uh, I think a lot of these stories have some similarities about the other person, I call them enemies or the opposition, having uh, control over the machinations of the world. And their control becomes very great to the point where you think, boy, you don't have any hope of beating someone like that. They have almost superhuman characteristics. When you hear about them, they know all things that are going on. They know exactly all, all contingencies of what might happen. And you begin to think, I don't think I could ever overcome those. So then that raises a question I came back to earlier, which is, well, is this a comment on if God is in charge or not? Like, do we ultimately believe God is in charge and the world is managed exactly how it should be or that the world is mismanaged and suffering is unnecessary and I should do something to decrease my suffering? I wonder how that would go if you had that conversation about conspiracies. It, it, it would definitely be different. Right. Because is there something, I'm going to use a word here, I mean in a technical sense. It could be used in other senses, which I don't mean. No stick about these. And what I mean by that is there are no stick groups given that name from the Greek, which means knowledge. And there's a kind of desire to have the secret knowledge that only a few initiates have. And so in those, it might be secret knowledge about what the spirits are doing or how to climb the spiritual ladder to become a spirit yourself. But it could be also just secular Gnosticism in the sense that I know what's really happening. I've been let into the secrets behind the closed door. There's, it's really a desire for knowledge, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I would agree. People want knowledge, and they don't just want ordinary knowledge. They want knowledge of the highest things. I think sometimes, too, it might be that we misunderstand um, the results of things, whether it's power or whether it's a group going in or out of power, mm. why those things happen. And yeah. Sometimes we misunderstand people and circumstances, and we misunderstand motivations and yep. values that people have, and that can really cause us to oversimplify things, too. So Yeah, you're right. Oh, okay, yeah, that's good. So, yeah, I, I've actually read about that, that people, these kind of conspiracy stories are likened to polytheism or animism where you see some personal 
uh, uh, intention behind natural events. Yeah. So why this why this uh, earthquake occur? Well, because this God was mad and he got us. Or why did I have a failure of crops? Well, we didn't give the right sacrifice to the crop God. And so you see, you tend to see personal uh, intentions behind natural occurrences. And so that has continued over here where you say, well, why did this happen? It's not just an accumulation of non-personal events. It's there's a specific person behind it that made it happen that way. Yeah. But I, but I think I want to keep going on this idea of, of special knowledge. And, and that, well, this is what we want. Humans want knowledge, and they want knowledge of the highest things. But this idea that there's certain secret knowledge that only a few can have is directly contrary to the idea that the highest knowledge is clearly available for everyone. It's clear what is good from the nature of things. And everyone who can think can know what is good. You don't need secret knowledge for that. And so we don't want to allow ourselves to get in a situation where we say, yeah, 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 I guess that's true, but I also have the secret knowledge. Well, now you've really given up the idea that, no, there's, there's some things that are clear. That's what we should be spending our time on, and everyone can know that. And in fact, the battle that I start off today with between good and evil is a battle about that. Good says some things are clearly knowable, and not good says nothing is knowable. And that's the conflict. And, and the conflict is, on the one side, wanting people to be distracted from general revelation, not think about general revelation, or not think about this world to say, this world is a life of suffering, and your highest good is when you die and go to the next life. That's what they want to, to, to get you to go down that side. And the other side says, no, there's God made the nature of things, and in doing that, God made what is good for things. And we can know that now. We don't have to just wait to the future to have our, our questions answered. We can have them answered now. So the, the response, the solution to secret knowledge is to affirm what we can all know at all times about what is good. And we don't have to worry about secret knowledge. There may not even be secret knowledge. What they claim to be secret knowledge might just not be true. Uh, but they, who are claiming to have secret knowledge, don't know what they should know from general revelation. So conspiracies. Now, was there more left from the uh, emails? Um, there was a few. All right. What we'll do is we'll cover those next, next time when we're together. Today we've looked at, we've, we've really been continuing with the idea of existential application. And applying it to some questions that we receive, I hope you'll feel free to send in your own questions as you listen to this. And we're, we're concluding now in the Thinker Podcast with Dr. Owen Anderson. Thanks for joining us.